Luke chapter 18 and verse 15. People were also bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honour your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy, he said. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad, because he was a man of great wealth. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard this asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with men is possible with God. Peter said to him, We have left all we had to follow you. I tell you the truth, Jesus said to them, No one who has left home or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. Self-confidence is a good thing, isn't it? Everybody knows that a lack of self-confidence can be really debilitating. It's terrible uh, to be devoid of self-confidence. It's not a good place to be at all. And yet, can you have too much of a good thing? Can you have an excessive amount of self-confidence? Perhaps confidence that, that exceeds the reality of your ability. Some people wonder about Theresa May when she was first elected as Prime Minister, the ebullient self-confidence she had about the idea of delivering Brexit on time. And was all that confidence misplaced? Perhaps it was. Would a little bit of humility and a readiness to work with others across the political spectrum have made a difference? Who knows? Yet too much self-confidence can be a bad thing. There's no doubt about that. It's the moral of one of Aesop's fables, the ass, the cock, and the lion. He says an ass and a cock were in a straw yard together when a lion, desperate from hunger, approached the spot. He was about to spring upon the ass when the cock, to the sound of whose voice the lion, it is said, has a singular aversion, crowed loudly, and the lion fled away as fast as he could. The ass, observing his trepidation at the mere crowing of a cock, summoned courage to attack him and galloped after him for that purpose. 
He'd run no long distance when the lion turning about seized him and tore him to pieces. The moral? False confidence often leads into danger. It's no good telling yourself, I can do this, if really you can't. It's one thing to be able to do something and lack the confidence to have a go. Then a bit of self-confidence enables you to achieve what is within your ability. It's quite another thing to suppose that you are capable of performing some great feat, which is really just beyond your resources and your grasp. There are loads of memes about self-confidence online, and when I read some of them, I'm really not all that sure. Um, Self-confidence is the most attractive quality a person can have. How can anyone see how great you are if you can't see it yourself? Yeah, but what about if you see stuff that other people just don't see? I'm reminded of Shania Twain's song. I've known a few guys who thought they were pretty smart, but you've got being right down to an art. You think you're a genius. You drive me up the wall. You're a regular, original, a know-it-all. Oh, you think you're special. Oh, you think you're something else. Okay, so you're a rocket scientist. Don't impress me much. Then there's the simple meme. I believe in me, which is backed up and reinforced by the one which says, self-confidence is a superpower. Once you start to believe in yourself, magic starts happening. All of that kind of doesn't resonate very easily with us where we talk about believing in God rather than believing in ourselves and making him the source of our confidence. And that young man that Jesus spoke to who asked him about achieving eternal life. I wonder whether he was a man, perhaps, who had a degree more confidence than was good for him. He had so much going for him. Luke tells us that he was a ruler. He was a man in authority, someone who had status and respect. He was very wealthy, with plenty of money in his bank account, so he had a great deal of security from that point of view. And he was also supremely confident in his own ability. As far as he was concerned, he'd led an exemplary life ever since he was a boy. And he fondly supposed, with all these resources at his disposal, that the capacity to secure his own place in eternal life was within his grasp. Good teacher, what do I have to do to get eternal life? But in that belief, he was mistaken. Had he been less preoccupied with his own importance, he might have been more sensitive to the way in which Jesus responded to his greeting. He addresses Jesus as good teacher and asks what he has to do to get eternal life. And Jesus answers his question with a question of his own, which is something Jesus often did. Why do you call me good? Jesus says. No one is good except God alone. Push that answer to its logical conclusion. And the man talking to Jesus should have realised that as far as Jesus was concerned, no one was going to be good enough to get to heaven under their own steam. But if Jesus was inviting the man to reflect on that, by asking how he got on with keeping the commandments, he would have been disappointed with the man's response. Oh, I've kept all those since I was a boy, he says. This man really was the epitome of self-confidence. 
But the problem is that when it comes to getting eternal life, self-confidence really doesn't get you anywhere near close enough. And why? Well, because self-confidence fails to recognise that eternal life isn't something we can secure for ourselves. A can-do attitude doesn't get you eternal life. How are you going to arrange and engineer your own resurrection after all? It's not something that we can do. It's not something within our power or within our capability. And that's why when it comes to securing your own place in heaven, there is definitely something presumptuous in the attitude that says, I'm going to make it. I can do this. I'm going to be all right. Because actually what happens to you after you die is, is God's business. 100%. That's why there's, there's something misguided in the attitude which says, I can achieve righteousness before God by my own strength. I can, I can, I can meet the bar. I, I can do this. I, I can live the kind of life that means God will say, yeah, yeah, that's fine. You can come in. Because before God there is no merit in belonging to the elite. Titles of honour don't count for anything at all. Putting your trust in your own strength and in what comes under your own control is an attitude that's been described as sinful self-reliance. There is a kind of arrogance that manifests itself in a pride in one's own accomplishments and in one's own moral standing. And it's characteristic of people who are wise in their own eyes. People who trust in themselves. People like this rich ruler. People who aren't willing to smash their own wisdom before God and let it become foolishness. Because when you stop and think about it, dying necessarily involves letting go of everything about us that defines who we are here and now. And correspondingly, eternal life is, is recognising we let all of that go and we entrust ourselves into the hands of Almighty God, who alone has the power to raise the dead, who alone has the power to recreate our lives. It's not something that we can ever hope to do. And it may be for that reason that Jesus asks this prestigious ruler to set aside the one thing that here and now defined him the most. The one thing that mattered to him the most. The one thing that was the source of his security, his confidence in his own ability. And that, in his case, was his money. That was the be-all and end-all to him. And so Jesus says to him, look, if you're serious about eternal life, about securing your place in the life to come, are you willing to let go of everything that defines you here as a person that makes you successful, that makes you confident, that gives you that, that sense of, I can do this? To let go of what you are and have here in order to receive eternal life then. The only way to secure eternal life is to look away from yourself. Stop obsessing about who you are and entrust yourself again to God. Because all human wisdom, all human power, all human greatness must come to naught 
in the presence of God. But these were the things that defined who this man was. These were the things he wanted to cling on to. These were the things he couldn't bring himself to let go. And actually his inability to let go of these things was a measure of how much actually it was his money that owned him. Not how much he owned his money. On this particular occasion then, Jesus does not win a convert. The man leaves Jesus with a heavy heart and Jesus looks after him as he disappears with a heavy heart. The man's problem, Jesus summed it up in, a, in that strange way he had of speaking. There's one thing you lack, he says. You've got too much money. There's one thing you haven't got. Your lack is you've got too much. And so Jesus says, look, it's harder for a camel to squeeze through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into the kingdom of heaven. And people have thought about all kinds of ways in which it might be possible for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. They've imagined there was a gate in the wall that was, you know, just, just small enough or big enough for a camel to squeeze through if it wasn't carrying a pack. There was no such gate. This is, again, Jesus' exaggeration. This is something that can't be done because it's impossible for us to get to heaven. But what is impossible for us is possible with God. That's the point. When the disciples ask with utter incredulity, if a rich man can no more get into heaven than a camel can get through the eye of a needle, who can be saved? Jesus says, it's impossible for human beings, but it's possible for God. And it comes back to all being prepared to trust in God's grace rather than our own resources. All of this comes on the back of quite a lot of Jesus talking about prayer. And I guess there's a challenge for us there. In our daily living, do we rely more on prayer or on our own resources? Where does our security lie? Where does our confidence come from? Where is our faith at the end of the day? And when Jesus talks about um, entering the kingdom of God, he's already talked about getting into the kingdom of God earlier in Luke chapter 18. When Jesus' disciples turn the parents away who are bringing their children to meet Jesus, Jesus gives his disciples short shrift. Let the children come to me, he says. The kingdom of God belongs to children just like these. I tell you the truth. Anyone who will not receive the kingdom like a little child will never enter it. And what does it mean to receive the kingdom like a little child? It's got nothing to do with innocence, everything to do with dependence. Because to receive the kingdom like a little child is the exact antithesis of this, ruler who, of this rich ruler, had all the resources at his disposal, all the confidence, all the assurance that, that he could do this. The quality about small children is that they are utterly dependent on grown-ups 
for pretty much everything. And they may be bursting with self-confidence, but the bottom line is they rely on adults for all their daily needs. And when it comes to getting eternal life, it is a matter of recognising that actually here, in this respect, we are completely dependent upon God and his grace and his faithfulness and his mercy and his goodness. We come with empty hands. We bring nothing that can secure our place. We come like little children, entirely dependent upon him to receive what only he can give. And we receive his gift with gratitude. Because when it comes to eternal life, no matter how much you have going for you, the bottom line is that the best of us can only receive the kingdom of God like a little child. And that means setting aside all our accomplishments and successes and achievements and coming before God instead just in simple trust to receive his kingdom and eternal life as his gift. Given for no other reason than that he loves you. doesn't matter how good or bad you've been. Again, you look back further to what comes before the episode where Jesus welcomes the children and you find the story of the Pharisee and the tax collector. The Pharisee was so sure of his own goodness and virtue and the tax collector knew he was lost. And it was the tax collector who cried out, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. It was the tax collector who cast himself upon the mercy of God. And it was the tax collector rather than the Pharisee who left the temple in a good relationship with God that day. Why? Simply because he abandoned himself to the grace of God. He had nothing he could bring, nothing he could give, nothing he could point to that would would merit his place in heaven. Nothing he could point to or hold up in his own defence. It was simply the grace of God which saved him. And there is no other way. And that's good news. Because actually it's not about how successful or important or morally upright or wealthy you are. It's simply about whether you are prepared to entrust your life into God's hands. He sees our mixture of success and failure, pride and insecurity, achievement and, and inadequacy. And actually none of that matters. He accepts and welcomes you simply because he loves you. It's not about who you are, what you've done, how much you've achieved, how important you are. It's not about you, it's all about God his love for you, his acceptance of you, his grace to you. It's about letting go of everything and placing yourself in God's hands. All you need to do is come like a little child and in dependence on his grace receive his gift of the kingdom, his gift of eternal life.
That's the good news that the rich man missed out on. But it's the good news that Jesus came to bring. In a moment of quiet, let's just spend some time and in, in your heart and mind, just, just to pray. Jesus, help me to let go of all the things that I think make me important. And just to entrust myself to you. Help me to recognise your love towards me. Your grace and acceptance. And in dependence on you to receive your gift of the kingdom. Like a little child. Thank you, Father, that it is your pleasure to give us your kingdom. Thank you that you welcome and accept us, not because of, of who we are or what we've done, but simply because you love us. And your grace is our security and our hope and our confidence. Amen.